People think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. And welcome to Kidney Talk. Today's our big surprise show because when we come back from the commercial break, I'm going to tell you a very, very big surprise. Do you like surprises, Lori? I love surprises. What's the best surprise you ever got? <laughs> Did you ever have a surprise birthday party? It's really interesting. It's hard for people to be sneaky and get away with things, you know? I don't know. My wife's pretty sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I like surprises. I actually like surprising people more than getting surprises. Right. How do you surprise people? One time, I threw a surprise baby shower for one of my girlfriends. She had no idea. She flew into town. and There was I, a big surprise because um, she wasn't even pregnant. <laughs> so when we come back, I'm going to surprise the audience by some big news that I have. Hi, Mom. Boy, that was some storm last night, huh? We actually lost power for a few minutes. Oh, you think that was bad? You should have seen the one back in 52. Well, now that you're on dialysis, you should really have a plan in case of an emergency. Ha! Last emergency I had was when you got your head stuck in the hamster cage. Scared the little fella to death. Those big eyes just staring at him. I'm talking about emergencies, like severe weather, earthquakes, or power outages. What if there was no water or transportation to get you to dialysis? It's important to be prepared. You mean like carrying important medical information? Or asking your facility for alternative arrangements for treatment? Or preparing emergency stock of supplies, foods, and medicines? Or learning what diet to follow if your dialysis must be delayed? You already knew all this? I've got to run, Sonny. I'm late for taekwondo. Bye, Mom. Stephen, I can't stand it. What is, what the is surprise? your surprise? Well, this is so weird. Uh, I have been asked to become the national spokesperson for an organization called Paired Donation Network. And basically mm-hmm. what they do is, let's say you have a loved one that wants to donate a kidney to you, but it doesn't match you. They find an alternate donor that will match you, and they'll give your loved one's kidney to that donor in exchange for the kidney that matches you. So it has nothing to do with that. But I met a lady there who has a friend who had another friend whose son heard that Stephen First needed a kidney. And he has volunteered with nothing in return uh, to, you know, give me his kidney. Wow. And I am going to get a transplant next week. I am going to get a transplant next week from a live donor that I have never met before. 
I mean, that's pretty amazing. What an amazing. altruistic gift. That's what it's called, altruistic donor. And what's very funny about it is, you know, I was listed at UCLA, and they said that was a seven to eight year wait list. And then I went and I got tired of waiting there, so I registered in Portland, Oregon, and I've been waiting for a kidney there. And they told me at the beginning of the year, you know, it'd be any day now. And of course, now it's several months later, and you know, half a year later. And they called me. They had a kidney. <laughs> so when it rains, it pours. But the kidney that's a live donor right in the same city is much more attractive to the doctors than the kidney uh, from Oregon because the one from Oregon was actually coming from the East Coast and it would have been out of the body for 36 hours. And, you know, he was slightly older. And so I've d- decided to wait the extra couple weeks and get the live donor kidney. Well, it's you know, all the transplants that I've received is my pager has gone off or my phone has gone off. I was like, get here immediately. So yeah, I really didn't have time so to prepare. That was so nerve-wracking to me. It was, you know, anytime the phone would ring, I was actually thinking about buying a car in, in Oregon because there's no sales tax, you know, <laughs> thrifty guy that I am. So I put in a couple of calls to some car dealers, and it's the same area code as the hospital. And every time that my cell phone would ring and I saw that area 503 area code, listed, my heart would just jump. I thought it was the kidney. And it wasn't. It was just a car. So are you nervous, Stephen? You know, what are you going through right now? It's very strange. I am very happy, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, first of all, it's like I've been waiting for so long and it just doesn't seem real to me. It was like, you know, you've been waiting for that date for a long time and she finally called. <laughs> right. <laughs> and exactly. now you don't know what to do, right? And it, well, it doesn't seem real to me and I'm, I'm excited but I'm also very afraid because, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect. Now, you've done it three times, so you're old hat at that. Well, you know, it doesn't matter if you've had one surgery or 36 surgeries as I've had. The feelings are still the same. You know, you have to go under anesthesia, and that's mm-hmm. about giving up control. Right, and, and this is the most major surgery I've yeah, ever had. It's 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 freaky, you know, mm-hmm. and then to wake up and the next morning and like did it work did it work you know and was that and, the first, when you came out of uh, anesthesia was that the first question I want to know asked? if it was working ah you know that's what I I had a dream that I woke up from anesthesia and I said is it working and right. that's, that's my dream right you know? well if your bed's all wet then it is no no oh, usually that's disgusting yeah, <laughs> usually they'll have a catheter in you and uh-huh. because if you haven't really urinated for a long time mm-hmm. you go a lot if your kidney's working you'd have to get up and go to the restroom quite a bit, so they'll usually put a catheter in you. Right, that's what I understand. How painful is the surgery? I have so many questions. How painful was the surgery? Now, you've had one 17 years ago. I'm sure things have changed since then. Well, I think it's it's much better than it used to be because, well, I had both of my kidneys removed, and that was one of the most painful surgery. Yes, they took them out. So they're not going to remove mine. But but they did it in 1979. It Mm -hmm. was a double nephrectomy. And back then it was, when in doubt, just take it out. So they mm-hmm. took him out. Um, you sound like but, Johnny Cochran. If but, it don't fit, then you must have quit. You know, they literally make an incision in your abdomen area. Mm-hmm. And you can actually feel my kidney. No, no but you know, if you've asked me to do that before. I told you I don't want to <laughs> feel it. It's right under the skin. So no. it's not It's not a terrible um, surgery. It's not as painful as, I, I would say, a knee replacement or... Uh, breaking something. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just tender. Uh, the thing that I found that was most difficult is is some of the medications. They're trying to get it right, um, get the right combination. Right. And, it's like trial and error, isn't it? And, well, you know, you just... 
the, you know, the steroids. Sometimes if you get steroids, What's they can make the you Oregon. emotional. Oh, I'm emotional as I it know, is. I know, they can you know. make you emotional. But, you know, in Oregon, you know, they use steroids. And mm-hmm. I asked about a non-steroidal program. They don't do that. They put. They try to get you down to five milligrams of prednisone, mm-hmm. you know, pretty soon. But in Cincinnati, where I am having this surgery, um, they don't use steroids. Or they can or they don't. But they thought, thought I would be a perfect candidate for non-steroidal since I'm a diabetic. So you're a diabetic. So that's one of the biggest things is that, and then all the massive amounts of blood work that they draw yes. from you um, right after surgery. Like it's, and it's always at 5 o'clock in the morning. But you know what, Lori? It's not that 15-gauge needle that right. I stick in my arm every single day, two of them in my arm. And you have to be really careful, too, to make sure they don't take your blood pressure on your, your fistula. Oh, I've been careful of that ever since I got and, my fistula. And, um, you know, just things that they, you're in a hospital, a different environment, and that you may be groggy, and just make sure that they have those signs posted on the walls and everything. What, do not come near a patient? <laughs> don't, don't put a blood pressure cuff on my fistula arm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Right. In, interesting. One of the transplants that I had, I woke up and I was starving. Really? Um, I was very hungry. And because so, I've kind of lost my appetite since I've been on dialysis. And that's a good sign that, you mm. know, you're hungry because it, it tells mm. normally that, you know, the impurities are coming out of your body and mm-hmm. you need the nutrients. I, I'm so deathly afraid of gaining weight, though, you know, because it took me so long to lose weight. Uh, I'm, I'm pissed off because I've gained... Since I've been on dialysis, I've gained about 20 pounds, and hopefully it's a lot of it's just fluid. Oh, I hope not. I, you don't I, want that kind of fluid on your body if it's if it's um. Or maybe I'm just getting older heart. and it's harder to, to it's lose just, weight. I think you're just getting older. Oh, and my God. Just look at it as earthquake preparedness. How, now, what in the world is the correlation there, earthquake preparedness? Well, you have some body fat if you ever get stuck somewhere in an earthquake. If I ever get stuck... <laughs> You mean, so if I have enough body fat, no matter what falls on me, it'll bounce exactly. off? Oh, my God. That was a little lame. But, you know, it is. It's frightening. Um, one of the things that I remember about my transplant is just the smell of the hospital because it's that they oh, I really you were clean that your I room. Smell. No, you'll I smell. You were saying that I smell. But, you know, they, they try to I've been clean accused everything of that before. and it's, you know, that sterile smell. Well, that doesn't bother me. Right. It's just it's a very strong memory. If I walk into a hospital nowadays and that right chemical is there, it'll take me right back to when I had my transplant. You know, you know, aromatherapy, you know, is so, you know, the, our senses of smell are so incredibly strong. No. You know. So what are you doing to prepare to leave to get a transplant? Because oh, it's man. not going to be in L.A. It's going to be in um, Ohio. Right. I just, well, I'm trying to learn the Ohio accent so I can understand the doctor. And uh, <laughs> no, I just, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm excited, but I'm, I'm really nervous because I've never been through it before. And of course, on any surgery, even if you're having a tonsillectomy, they have to tell you every uh, complication that could go wrong. And of course, the first one on the list is death. <laughs> and I go, you know, I don't want that complication. I don't want to hear about that one. Yeah, that's the complication I don't want to have. But, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get get there a couple days early. They want to do dialysis and they said they don't want to take off too much fluid that last dialysis. And I'm going to take a camera and take some pictures of me on dialysis for the last time. time. You know, I just want to get acclimated. You know, I, I'm just very nervous about it. Well, I you just, need to. What are you doing? I mean, Lorraine's going with you. My wife, so Lorraine. Yeah. Is she nervous, too? No, she's going to party. She's already, you know, <laughs> she's already getting, you know, books and shows to see and everything. She said, they'll be taking care of you. I, I have some a lot of free time now. <laughs> she's been helping me with dialysis. She sticks me. 
She's so you never, you know, you never want to get Lorraine angry. You never want to have an argument right before dialysis because she has those 15 gauge needles in her hand. And, you know, she can make it painful or, or make it easy. <laughs> you know. When you arrive in Ohio on Sunday, are you going to have anything to occupy your time? Because you're going to be there by yourself. You should be thinking of something, either a book, to, something to keep your mind off of it. Well, I'm going to bring the entire collection of Kidney Talk shows. Great. And listen to them. And you're going to pick the best pick of the, the best. the best ones. The ones where you insult me. Okay. And uh, the ones where I insult you. But, and then uh, compare and see who wins. Who wins the insult? No, I'm going to uh, just try to relax. I mean, that's my biggest thing is relaxation. I'm a very positive thinker, and I'm going to try to think positive. And, you know, out of all the transplant operations there are in the world, there's, you know, kidney and heart and liver and lungs. And the kidney is probably the most common transplant and the easiest. And the reality is we always want them to work, but there's a small possibility they won't. I know. That would that and, would be and I would feel so, so incredibly bad for that donor if he gave up one of his kidneys and it didn't work. But you know, according to the doctors, they really don't foresee that happening. Right. It's always a possibility, but it's just a reality check and right. and you know, you're just going into it with um the belief that everything's gonna be okay. It's so I, I can't express it because you're you know, you get tired of dialysis. As I was, I was so tired of dialysis after 12 years, and mm-hmm. I've had this transplant 17 years, which I know it's pretty amazing. It's anyway. just breaking all records. But right, because a, a, a deceased donor, which you years, have, is about 11, 11 to 12, 12 years. years. Yeah. But the way I look at it is that I've had three transplants, and so I should get 36 years. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's the way I'm looking that's at it. That's true. Well, what has your doctor told you to do to prepare? Well, um, he just. Really nothing, you know, to prepare, just to keep what I'm doing now, the dialysis every day and everything, and just uh, be calm and collected, and we're going to get through this. And so. is Lorraine going to be your phone tree? My what? You have to have a phone tree. What's that? Well, you have to have one person that has all the information and tell all your friends. Mm-hmm. Who to call. Oh, yeah, I'm sending out a mass email to about 70 people, all the numbers you know, where I can be reached and everything. And, you know, it's so funny. Some people don't just don't want to be bothered in the hospital. They want to recover. Uh, to me, it will give me strength getting cards and getting phone calls some. and emails and stuff from all my friends that are thinking about me. When we come back, we're going to talk more about my transplant. What about me? What about me? Hi, folks. Crazy Kenny Kid here to tell you about the incredible specials we're having. We are definitely wheeling and dealing this weekend. If I can't put you in a proper axis, a lifeline like me and the missus like to call them, then I'll stand on my head and eat a low-sodium bug. First, we have a Crazy Kenny Kid special on hemodialysis access with several different models. We have catheters great for the beginners or in any emergency, but you'll soon want to move up to a more sporting model. Next, we have the AV graft, a good utility access. But believe me, sweet folks, I have saved the best for last, the fistula. This is the access that everyone is talking about. You'll get great mileage and years of use with this baby. What's that you say? Hemo just doesn't fit the lifestyle you prefer, PD? Well, feast your eyes on this baby. Oh, I forgot this is radio. You'll just have to trust me on this one, folks. This is the PD catheter model. Beautiful, efficient, and easily hidden from view. So take your pick. We're dealing all week. We'll really have to move these babies. Keep your access clean and free of infection. A daily check for signs of redness and warmth could indicate infection. Check with your health care team for tips on how to keep your dialysis access clean and safe for use. And remember, if I can't put you in one of these lifelines, I'll stand on my head and eat a low-sodium bug.
Now, what about the hospital food? Can you start eating food right away when you're in the hospital after a Well, transplant? I think they just give you liquids and, you know, jello and soft foods. Oh, um, but usually after a day or two, good. you know, once you actually move your bowels. It's <laughs> oh, great. Great. Things get a little better. And oh, then great. they get you up walking. And, oh, yeah. And they, you know, that you wear that nice little ICU nightgown. The one that opens in the back yeah, so you can have the bowel ICU movements. ICU nightgown. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the time is going to fly by so fast. I hope so, because I have to be there a month, and, you know, I'm used to L.A., and I don't know what it's going to be like being in Ohio for a month. Being in, in Ohio in... In a hotel. In August. In August. Oh, it's oh, much it's hotter than humid. it is in L.A. It's going to be yeah. a lot more humid. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things that's so important is that you, you know, you create that phone tree so that... Um, if they're calling you at the hospital, that's terrific, but only having one person communicate with the transplant coordinator. Right. So that then, then Lorraine can disperse this information to everybody because, um, you know, people will call the hospital, oh, I want to know how he's doing, and, right, and it really right. overburdens the doctors and, right, and right. the staff. This is my list of things after you're transplanted that you need to be aware of. Stephen. Okay. Okay. So the first one is, is you need to know the signs and symptoms of rejection. Do you know what they are? Well, when people say you're ugly and you're fat and we don't like you anymore, I feel rejected. <laughs> okay. You know? um, well, you need to ask your healthcare professional what are the signs and symptoms of now, rejection. What are they? Because that, that really interests me. What, um, what are they? Well, the number one sign is a fever. A fever. Uh, fever is a fever is a sign of rejection. And when, if you stop urinating again, right? Um, it could be. But initially, like when they send you home, they'll give you all this information. Oh, they I will. Mean, but it's really important. What are the signs of rejection? Because mm -hmm. there's two types of rejection. And normally, right after transplant, you're at a higher risk for acute rejection, which mm -hmm. they can reverse if you catch it soon. Yeah, I so, heard that. I heard that. And now, is it true, Lori, that... Once you get the kidney, it may not work right away, and it could take up right. to a week. To and mine start didn't working. work for two over two weeks. So and did they yeah. ever? Did they ever think it, was it wasn't sleeping. going to work? Um, <laughs> it was sleeping. Well, back then they didn't really know, but now I guess that that's common. The the kidneys mm -hmm. just are in shock. But I, I'm not sure. But I think that's more with, uh, and I'm not absolutely positive. But I think that's with uh, cadaver kidneys more right. than live um, right. donors. The next thing is you'll need to know your medications because right. you're going to get go a slew that. of them. Yeah. Uh, they're going to you know, really go over that with me. I think there's a counselor just for medications there. And it's interesting because when I first had my transplant, I actually messed up on one of them. One of them, You took I sweet thought, tarts instead. Well, I, they, they prescribed cyclosporin for me, and I didn't understand that they told me to take it twice a day, and I only took it once a day. And how um, bad did that affect you? It didn't. <laughs> oh. But it obviously could have. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, it was just, just that little communication glitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the things you need to know your uh, medications. And then also you need to be aware of the side effects of them because sometimes the side effects of some of the medications, you're, you have a, a like bonus a, going with you because you're not taking steroids. Right. But I understand uh, that, you know, they can give you upset stomach or something like that. And, and a lot of them can make you very anxious. Oh one of the gosh. side effects of cyclosporin is, it was funny, is um, one of my physicians, uh, transplant physicians, I was so hyper after my transplant. I was more hyper As than I am now. now. And uh, I went to a transplant uh, visit one time and he's like, either give Lori a Valium or give me one. Because <laughs> I was so revved really? up by Is the that medicine. From the drugs? Oh it my can gosh. be. It can really speed you well, up. Well, you know, that's like, you know, everybody with the, in the news today with steroids and roid rage and. 
Right. And mood swings and stuff like that. I heard about the mood swings, too. Yes. Oh, and, you know, I talk about it in my book. It's an emotional roller coaster. And, you know, one minute you think you're going to die, and the next minute you're crying, and you're all over the place. And it's just nice to say, you know what? It's like a Saturday night every night for me. (laughs) It's just not, it's nice to know that, you know, it's the meds, it's not you. And it will pass. This too Mm -hmm. shall pass. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing is, is in. It's imperative to keep your appointments, especially your lab appointments, right afterwards. And well, yeah. Right. Well, sometimes people say, "Oh, because they they have you coming in so frequent, like three or four times a week." Yeah, or that you're like, yeah. "I want to, you know, I don't need to go today." But I have nothing to do. Right. You'll have nothing to do, so that won't be difficult for right, you. Right. Right. Um, they'll you'll need to check your vital signs regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, your like blood, blood pressure, pressure and, and your temperature, temperature, yeah. temperature, your weight to see if uh-huh. you're gaining weight. Oh, God forbid. Um, I, I, I freak out about gaining weight. I don't know why. That's. <laughs> I guess it's because I used to be really Don't really worry heavy. about it. Just say that you're, you know, you're getting a transplant. It's not that important if you have a little weight on you. Yeah, I, w- I wanted to know how much the new kidney's going to weigh because I, <laughs> I want to deduct that from my actual weight. You're, you're crazy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you sh- cut off your hand and that'll make a very hey, it's difference. A good, it's a good trade-off. <laughs> you know, you need to avoid infections. Um, uh-huh. And one of the things I wasn't aware of is that right after transplant, you should not clean any cat litter boxes or bird cages or well, gardening. Gardening can even be um, problematic right after a transplant. Well, the cats and the birds won't be a problem because I don't have any. And you can't clean up dog so poop. I'm not going to go to other people's hotel room and clean up their cat. But you should talk to your um, doctor about that because initially, right after transplant, your immune suppressed. So even gardening... Some now, what the, is with the gardening? What well, diseases well, could be in the garden? Uh, right after a transplant, your immune system is zapped. So mm-hmm. there's things that you can catch. Right. And you have to be very careful. Well, I mean, you, like you can't clean a fish tank. You know, um, you're, you're naming things that I would never do well, anyway, even maybe, in real life. Well, maybe you'll get bored in but Ohio I mean, and buy a fish tank. I, I don't know. I don't think that I am going to go gardening either after my transplant. Okay. You know? Well, and this could be for a month or two. I mean, you need to stay away. What about the from artificial people. flowers? Can you? Do you can have with... the artificial flowers. Okay. And you know, you need to uh, just basically the top thing to avoid infections. Chicken is... McNuggets. <laughs> Chicken McNuggets um, is do not touch your hands to your face. Do not touch your hands to your face. Yes. You know, I have a horrible habit, and like it's kind of embarrassing. I involuntarily put my hands down my pants. <laughs> And oh, God. I, I find myself watching television and go, what, my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I, you know, I... I Too much information. I'm, I'm wondering, should I wear rubber gloves? You know? I'm not going to touch that one. Uh, okay. um, anyways, you have Women to... Women don't do that. Do the men do that. I'm telling you, men do that. <laughs> <laughs> women don't. We got to do that with the, the women's show only. You know, we we you know. I'll, yes, I'll ask, I'll yes, ask, the doctor, ask that why. How come um, women don't put their hands on their pants when they're watching television? <laughs> thank God. Now, men do I have to wear God a mask? Thank God, men don't have breasts. That's all I can say. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you have to really. Um, Am be I have to wear a mask? That. I think you should if you're around somebody who's sick. Does it have to be a Ronald Reagan mask? No, but I mean, I, I know when I was interviewing in Las Vegas, which was another place I was going to be listed at, I went to clinic, uh, and there was people in the waiting room all with a surgical mask on, and they were recently transplanted people. And, and it's important if you go to clinic, people can be sick there, so you have to be careful. Right. So do you, I mean, you, do you have yeah. to wear a mask? Well, I think... I would probably the first couple of months when I got my transplant there weren't that many people in the clinic but mm-hmm. now it's a different scenario mm-hmm. there's a lot of people in the clinic and mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to get a cold or uh, any kind of flu or anything the no, first um, no. first couple of months of your transplant next thing you know this control hypertension 
Diabetes in your way. You always have become hypertensive it, again. It could. You just never know. You just got to really you know, take was, your blood pressure. I was hypertensive mm-hmm. before dialysis. Then I went on dialysis and I became hypotensive. Hypotensive. Yeah, very much so. Where my, my blood pressure can go to 70 over 30. And, and now I'm afraid of getting high blood pressure again, you know, when I go back. Well, you just have to be careful. You just have to monitor it. Uh-huh. Um, get moving. Make sure your exercise as right. you, you do that and uh-huh. you're good about that. Uh-huh. Um, one of the other things you have to do is you got to protect your skin. Uh-huh. Once you start on immunosuppressant drugs, you're at more risk for skin oh, you cancer. Out, you can't go out in the sun, well, I you, understand. You can't, I mean, but you wear sunblock and maybe the first, you know, you wear a hat and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But um, it's really important well, to protect really your skin. I'm snazzy with a big old fedora hat. And a surgical mask on. Oh, you're going to look, look like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> we'll just be in time for Halloween here pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely, we? with the mask and everything. So, um, you know, all I can say, Stephen, is I think, you know, well, this everything is, is going to be okay. I know. I know all I, the I'm people, just... there's so many people out there waiting uh, for a, a transplant, and you're oh, uh, lucky to, you're getting one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and I can't wait to come back on the show and tell everybody how it went and share my experiences. And I just want to thank anybody who's ever thought about donating their organs because yes. uh, it's very valuable and just keep on donating organs. Well, perhaps when we come back in our closing, we'll talk a little bit about how people can find out how to donate Donate-in their organs. organs. Great. Okay. Let's go to a commercial then. And I'm going to get prepared. For, I'm lifting weights already for my kidney operation. As we all know, there's over 90,000 people waiting on the transplant list right now. And over 70,000 are like 70 to 75,000 people are waiting for kidney transplants. So you're so lucky. I am lucky. I am very, very lucky. And I, I never forget that. And if it wasn't for this one, you know, there are such, there are wonderful people in this world. I know we listen to the news and we hear horrible things about people in the world, but there are some wonderful people in this world. Here's a guy, 39 years old, and uh, just giving me his kidney. He doesn't know me from Adam. Well, you know, one of the things that I've learned is that everybody listening out there needs to get the message out about organ donor awareness and the importance of it. Now, what's the best um, way to be listed as an organ donor? Well, is it on your license? And- yeah, well, in different states, they have different policies, but the most important thing is to, you know, discuss your feelings with your family mm-hmm. um, because they're going to make the ultimate decision. In the state of California, uh, there's actually a website. It's DonateLifeCalifornia.org, I believe, that you can go to it and actually you can sign up that you want to be an organ donor actually communicates with the DMV. Right. So your family can't override your decision mm-hmm. to be an organ donor. Mm-hmm. Um, people are being very creative nowadays with getting a transplant. I mean, of course, there's transplant tourism. What? They go transplant tourism. They go What's to other that? countries to get a transplant. Oh, yeah, but that's really dangerous. Well, I it say. is. I mean, but it just shows the need. And mm-hmm. so I think if more people in this country were organ donors, um, decided right. to be an organ donor, uh, there wouldn't be such desperation. Although there's such a great need, people are always going to be desperate for an organ. And there's a new um, campaign coming out. We hope to have them on as a future guest, but it's Donate Life Hollywood. 
and it's a campaign, and it's it's to really try to encourage uh, positive scripts about organ donation in the media, because they did a study and they found that. Um, what people see on television impacts their view of transplantation. Mm -hmm. And the storylines, as we always see, are always wrong mm -hmm. when you watch television or you watch a movie. They just don't get it right. Well, you know, it's very interesting, Lori, is, you know, I'm producing a movie called My Sister's Keeper, and this is before I had kidney disease, and uh, that happens to take place about a girl who needs a kidney. Mm -hmm. I read the book. I loved it. And, you know, there was a couple things that are wrong in the no, script. No, I know. I think I point them out to you. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, I'm being like a technical advisor on kidney disease when it comes to that, so... Um, it's it's important because, you know, it is drama and it's hard to get everything, you know, exactly right. But mm -hmm. the storylines need to be more positive as opposed to always negative. And, you know, the one where somebody donated their eyes and the killer eyes came back. I mean, there are all these weird, strange storylines. But you know what? It, they, Hollywood, I know you were trying to do this, but Hollywood, you know, makes movies that sell. Right, and I totally they, agree. They can't do a movie about a girl who needs a kidney. She gets a kidney, and everything's happily ever after. That's boring. Right. Even though that's what we hope for, and that. But uh, you know, a girl who gets an eye donation from a killer and becomes the killer—that's kind of cool. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our healthcare team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Astellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.